0: Well, good morning. Um, Like he said, my name is Jackson Harden. I am very thankful to uh, have this opportunity to speak to you guys today. It uh, means a lot. Like he said, I'm going to Ozark Christian College in the fall, and I'm planning on studying theology, so the plan is to get to do this type of thing full-time one day, so I do appreciate it very much. Um, I'd like to start off, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Acts chapter 17. We're going to be in the latter half of Acts 17 And we're going to be looking at the passage of Paul and his visit to Athens. I'd like to start off by asking a question. This might seem like a simple question, but I think it's kind of a difficult one to answer. How do we respond to evil? As Christians, we have a call of how we're supposed to respond to evil. How do we do it? Evil in our schools, in the workplace, in our homes, on the media. How do we respond when we see evil? What if we're the only ones who are opposed to it? It seems that the farther society goes away from Christianity, um, the more and more minority our views become. So how do we respond when we see those things? Well, I think Paul gives us a little insight when he goes to the city of Athens. Many of you probably know Athens is a very important and influential city in history. It's known for its great art and culture, Uh, some of the greatest historians and philosophers, some of the greatest intellects came out of Athens. It's kind of intimidating, really. But Paul, when he goes into Athens, what he sees is the idolatry. There's said to have been over 30,000 idols in Paul's day in just the city of Athens. 30,000 idols. Paul sees the idolatry in this evil city, and we're going to see how he responds to it how he combats the evil that he sees, even if he's the only one who thinks of it as wrong. I think we learn two big things from Paul. We see two big things about the message that we have. Number one, we see that the gospel relates to everyone. And number two, we see that the gospel conforms to no one. The gospel relates to everyone, but it conforms to no one. So point one, the gospel relates to everyone. Starting in verse 16, it says this in Acts 17. Now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, Paul here, he's on his second missionary journey. He's going through Asia Minor, and he's left his companions behind. His companions are in the town prior, so he is on his own right now, entering into this intimidating city. It says that as he's waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who live there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul enters into the city of Athens. It says that as he sees the idolatry all throughout the city, that his he's provoked. His spirit is provoked. He he becomes kind of upset, right? And so what does he do when he's provoked? Well he goes and talks to Everybody. Everybody he can come in contact with. First, he goes to the synagogue where the Jews and the devout persons are. As we see in other examples in Acts, he goes to the Jews first, and he shows them how Jesus fulfills their Old Testament scriptures, how Jesus is the Messiah that they've been waiting on. But Paul doesn't only go to the synagogue to the people who know their Bible. right? He goes to the marketplace where everyone was. He goes to the educated, the uneducated, the rich, the poor, it doesn't matter. Paul has a message that relates to everyone. So he goes there, and then it says that he is confronted by some philosophers, some Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, and we'll talk more about them later, but what you need to know is that, again, these people are educated, intimidating. They come to Paul, and they, they accuse him of two things. They say that he is a babbler and that he is preaching foreign divinities. The Greek word for babbler there, it means seed picker, like a bird that picks up seeds randomly. They're accusing Paul of picking up random ideas and trying to formulate this religion, this Jesus and the resurrection. It's, it's just, it's nothing. That's what they're trying to say. They say he's a babbler and he's preaching foreign divinities. So they take him up to the Areopagus. This is a famous hill in Athens. It's famous for its many great court cases and debates. This is where the educated people would go and defend their claims. So they take Paul up here, the only only Christian in town. They take him up there to defend the Bible, to defend his views. It seems that Paul, when he is provoked, when he sees evil, that he responds by telling everybody about the gospel. I wonder if we have that same attitude about the gospel. Paul knows that the gospel relates to everyone But it seems like, as Christians, that the more society presses in on us, that the more society oppresses our views, the more of a minority we become. For some reason, we close our church doors more. We evangelize less. But is that what Paul would want? It seems like, for Paul, if you're the only one who believes in Jesus, then you should be talking about Jesus even more. If you're the only Christian in your workplace, the only Christian in the classroom, then you should be mentioning the gospel more than you ever have before. I think that's what Paul would say. Do we care about what we believe? That's really what it comes down to, I think. Because if we really believe what we hear in the pulpit on Sundays and what we read in the scriptures, then how can we not tell people about Jesus? I mean, if we believe he's the only way to heaven, that he died for everyone, then that means this message is for everyone. We have to tell people. It's the gospel, the good news. Good news is meant to be shared. So as Christians, it is our job not to just keep the Bible in here, but to preach it everywhere we go, just like Paul did. I heard someone try to say that Paul was prideful. Who does Paul think he is, right? Entering into a town that is completely opposed to him, a town that has its own culture, its own religion, and he's telling them that they're, they're doing things wrong. Who does Paul think he is? But it's not about who Paul thinks that he is. It's about who Paul thinks that Jesus is, right? We see many times in scriptures, Paul says who he is, right? He's the chief sinner, the worst of the worst. Paul doesn't see himself as any better than the Athenians. The thing is, he sees Jesus as the Messiah, the one that they've been waiting on. So it's not about him. It's about it's about the message he has, and it should be the same for us Christians. People might try to tell us it's unloving for us to tell them to preach on sin, Right? It's unloving for us to preach Jesus to people, but it's not unloving because it's not about us. It's not that we see ourselves as better. It's that we see Jesus as the truth, and we have to preach that. We have to. When we mind our business, we're being less loving. People tell us to mind our business. Right? Let them do them. Right? They, they have their own lifestyle. Leave them alone alone. But when we remind our business, we're ignoring the fact that we have this good news that's for everyone. This gospel relates to everyone. It's a beautiful message, and we and we have to share it. So Paul is on this hill. He's being accused, and he begins to support his claims. He defends the faith, and this is what it says in verse 22. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious, For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. So Paul begins his sermon and he finds common ground. He says, people of Athens, I I see that you are religious. And that's kind of an understatement, right? I mean, 30,000 idols in this city. I see that you're religious. I see you're superstitious. You even have an idol to the unknown God. These people were so religious, they didn't want to miss out on any. They made sure and made one just in case they missed one. And Paul uses this as a starting point to preach the gospel. Paul uses the environment, what the people know. I mean, these people he's talking to, they don't know the Old Testament scriptures. They don't know the prophets. They don't know the law of Moses. So he uses what they know, their vocabulary and preaches the gospel. And I think that as Christians, sometimes we we don't have this in our arsenal, this ability to use what people know. We know all the verses. We know the Romans' road to salvation. But but we need to be able to meet people where they're at, show them the gospel from what they know. I mean, many people don't know the words like salvation or sanctification or justification or any other asian. Many, many people don't know that. Those are Christian terms. So Paul meets the Athenians where they're at. He uses the environment that they know, and he shows Jesus through that, because the gospel relates to everyone. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23, uh, Paul says this. He says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law Without changing what the gospel says, Paul will sacrifice any of his own comforts, any of his own desires, if that means more people will come to Christ. He'll do anything. He'll become weak for the weak. He'll become a servant if that means that more people will hear the gospel. And I wonder if, as Christians and the church, are we doing the same? Are we sacrificing our own comforts? If the conversation's hard, do we talk about Jesus anyway? Because it's that important that they hear about Jesus. I mean, do we care as much as Paul? Are we willing to sacrifice our comforts? Are we willing to become weak for the weak? Some people might find this passage kind of scandalous, right? Like Paul's bending the rules to preach Jesus. But I think Paul would say that as long as you're not sinning, as long as you're not as long as you're keeping the truth, the truth, whatever you can do to bring more people to Christ, you should do it. Use, the, use what they know. Use the environment they know, the stories they know. As we're going to see, Paul is about to use the poets that they read, the writings that they read, the monuments around them, and he uses that to show Jesus. So as a church, we, we need to learn how to be versatile missionaries like him. He knows the people he's talking to. He knows his audience. So when he sees evil, when he sees something he disagrees with, he meets them where they're at, and he shows Jesus through that. We live in a nation filled with people of all spiritual walks, all walks of life. There's some people who, who know the Bible, and yet they don't believe it. There's some people who've grown up in church all their lives, and yet aren't really Christians. There's some people who have never heard about Jesus, there's some people who know about Jesus and yet hate the church, and yet we're called to preach the gospel to all of them. We have to know our audience, know what they know, so we can meet them where they're at, just like Paul did in Athens. Point two, the gospel conforms to no one. So Paul here, he continues his sermon. Um, I want to give a little background on the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers, because I think it helps us um, understand the message he preaches. So the Epicurean philosophers, the people in his audience, uh, these are like the, the partiers of their day. They believed in seeking satis- satis- satisfaction and enjoying the pleasures of life. Right, That was the key to living, was to be happy. If it felt good, go for it. Right. They didn't believe in God or at least a God that would judge them. They believed that the only key to life was just to satisfy the flesh. On the other hand, you have the, um, the Stoics, kind of like the hippies of that day. They believed that the key was to live in harmony with everyone, to grit your teeth and just make it through life as best you could. They saw God as just um, part of nature. And like if you really found your true self, that's how you'd find God. So these two views are, first of all, very prominent in today's society. But they're also contrary to Christianity. So let's see how Paul responds to people. Let's see if he changes what the gospel says in order to satisfy his audience or if he sticks with the truth. So in verses 32, wait, verses 24 through 31, Paul says this. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. epic sermons ever recorded. I mean, he begins with creation and ends with judgment to these people who don't know the Bible. He encompasses all of history all at once, and yet he doesn't waver in what he believes. He doesn't change the truth to to make his audience feel better. In fact, many of the things he says directly opposes the Athenians he's preaching to. I made a list of some of the things that would probably offend his audience. First, he says that God is the creator. Well, the Greeks believed that each God had its own part in creation. Paul said, no, this God, he created everything. He said, this God can't be held in a temple. Just up the hill from the Areopagus, what the audience could see, they'd see the the temple to Athena. Paul said, no, this God can't live in a temple. He said, this God doesn't need to be served by human hands. In fact, this God gives humans the breath, the life that they have. He then says that all humans were created equal, that from one man all humanity came. And the Greeks saw themselves as superior, that they were from a line of some superior human. But Paul says, no, actually, uh, God created us all equally. He says, God decided where we go, the allotted periods of our time. He says, in fact, God can't be formed by human hands. There's 30,000 idols in this city Stone and, and wood and gold. And Paul says, no, the God I serve, he can't be held in an idol. He then says that, that God is calling every man to repent. Those Epicurean philosophers who believed life was all about satisfying the flesh, yeah, they'd probably be offended by that. Paul's saying he's calling you to repent because one day there's going to be a judgment and the judge is Jesus Christ and it was assured by his resurrection. Everything Paul says probably offended them, but preaching the gospel in love does not mean changing it. Those things don't have to be opposites. We can preach the gospel in love, preach the truth, and yet love the people we're talking to at the same time. 1 Peter 3.15, Peter says this, he says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make it offense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Peter tells us that we are to be ready. To be ready to give a defense. And that's what Paul's doing here. When people ask you, hey, why do you go to church? Why do you live the way you live? Why do you believe how you believe? When everything is going wrong in life, yet you still seem optimistic, why is that? We are to be ready to give a defense for our faith. Lovingly, but standing firm in the truth. We have people on both sides of the spectrum. Some people who in our churches today were beginning to, to change what the word says, to twist the word, to make the audience feel better. We're conforming to society to somehow that's more loving if we conform to what they believe. We have people on that side, but then we have people on the other side. What does Peter say at the end? He says, do it with gentleness and respect. We have people on the other hand who are preaching the gospel and yet they're, they're they're not being gentle or respectful right they're being unloving they're turning heads away from Christ they're doing just as much damage as the other side is yet Paul though he seems might seem rude by disagreeing he didn't go into Athens with a baseball bat and tear down, tear down their idols right he came in lovingly respectfully met them where they're at talked to them about what they knew and preached the gospel through that and we are called to do the same We don't need to go through the streets with a baseball bat, yelling in people's face, but we can preach the truth and love at the same time, respectfully and gently. Paul is patient and gentle with the people, but he's firm on the truth. Remember, that doesn't have to be opposite. We can be firm on the gospel, firm on what we believe, and yet love the people that we're talking to at the same time. So the people respond to Paul. They hear his message, and in verse 32, this is what it says. It says, Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, We will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysus the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. This is the same reaction we, we should expect as Christians. When we preach the gospel in truth, we should expect some people to mock. Even if we do it gently and respectfully, right? Some people are going to mock us, and we should be prepared for that. But at the same time, some people will procrastinate. They'll say, I'll hear you again. I'm not fully convinced yet, and that's okay, right? As as Christians, we should be consistent missionaries, versatile missionaries by meeting them where they're at, but consistent too. Continuingly preaching the gospel, giving them opportunities. And then at the same time, there will be some people who believe and praise God for that, right? That's our mission. Our mission is to seek the lost, bring them to Christ. As the church, if that's not our mission, then something's wrong. We should be loving on people enough to bring them to Christ. So, in conclusion, There are three big things that I think we learned from Paul's ministry in Athens. This is a intimidating city filled with educated people who are very opinionated. And we live in a country, in a world with many educated people who are very opinionated. So what does Paul show us about how every Christian should to live the life, not just in these doors, but when we're outside of here, in the workplace, in the schools, on the streets, in our homes, how are we to live well, there's three big things. I think, number one, Paul shows us that it's important that we have a burden. We have a burden for the lost. Paul walks into Athens, he sees the evil, and he says he's provoked, right? He becomes upset. It's not bad for us to be upset when we see something going on that we don't like, that we disagree with. But our response should be a burden, a brokenheartedness for the people. Not a hatred, not pride, but love and compassion like Paul. We should have a burden for the lost, just like Paul did. So that's number one. If we don't have a burden, something's wrong. Number two, it's important that we have apologetics. Apologetics is the ability to defend the faith. And I'm not saying every single one of us need to know all of the scientific arguments or archaeological arguments for God, right? But we should all at least know our Bible. How do we expect other people to believe what we believe when we don't know what we believe? As Christians, we need to know our Bible. Paul gives a defense from creation to judgment. As Christians, we should be able to do the same, to defend our faith in that way. So, number one, a burden. Number two, apologetics. And number three, it's important that we have a balance. A balance between not conforming to the world, conforming to the trends of society, but at the same time, not becoming a clique or a club. We should be strong in what we believe, never wavering, but also being loving and respectful and keeping the church doors open to people, keeping our arms open like Christ. And I think that's how we become missionaries like Paul. We meet people where they're at. We don't think we're better better than them or holier than thou. No, we, we meet them where they're at, and we bring them to Christ. There's a balance between not conforming to the world but knowing that our message is for everyone, and that's what Paul shows us in Athens. So I pray that as we as we walk out of these doors, that this today and this week and for the rest of our lives, that we would be missionaries like Paul, Meet pe- meeting people where they're at and showing them who Jesus is. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and everything you've done for us. God, I thank you for your word and the example you've given us through Paul. I pray that you would just... You'd humble us and show us how we can be better better servants of yours and missionaries of yours, God. Um, just thank you for this time that we've been given to look into your word and uh, been given this example. And uh, thank you so much, God, and for what your son did for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.